uh, Hillary has been lengthening her excuses as to why uh, she lost the election. She didn't really lose the election. It was stolen from her uh, by, I think it's up to 24 different excuses she has now. Number 24 is content farms in Macedonia. And uh, as I said, uh, my grandfather was a uh, Macedonian content farmer. And uh, we often think about, you know, gathering on the porch and recalling the old days on the Macedonian. I never thought, he never thought that the old content farmers he left behind in Macedonia would one day steal the U.S. presidential election. They are gnarled, hardworking Macedonian peasants. And the way they were able to reach out and uh, steal the election. The quote, new, unquote, government in Macedonia is coming together, though it is really just the same old government of Zoran Zaev and his citizen, together with Ali Ahmeti and his Dewey, and the same people with different titles. Or is it? There are rumors that not all is happy and right between the two. Then there is the issue of Mohamed Zakiri, the highest-ranking ethnic Albanian and citizen who hates Dewey. And then there is the issue of Fessa. Remember them? They had a pre-election agreement with Citisa, and guess what do they get in this new government? The Ministry of Reading Newspapers? On the other side, Vumro has its own problem with the powerful Sasho Mialkov. Seen having drinks and in discussion with Artan Grubi, the personal assistant to Dewey Chief Ali Ahmeti, who will now hold the unconstitutional position of basically co-prime minister in the new government. Mialkov seems eager to take over Vumro. In short, if Macedonians are looking to political leaders and political parties for salvation, then they best look elsewhere. We'll discuss all of this and more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Miko, coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Tvetin Shalimanov calling in from the Vardar Valley in Skopje, Macedonia. Lovely. How is the Vardar Valley in Skopje, Macedonia these days, this summer, this late summer? Uh... Pretty hot these past few days. Uh, otherwise, it was nice. It was not uh, not a bad summer, considering we're locked <laughs> inside this uh, two by two uh, country, and <laughs> we can't can't get get anywhere proper except for Albania. So yeah, oh, there you go. we can't get anywhere worth going to. <laughs> right. Well. And, of course, the coronavirus continues to ravage the country. We're at, what, 563 deaths as of today. This is mm. today. We're recording this uh, on Saturday, the 22nd of August. Normally, we record this on Sunday. Um, but the, the, the coronavirus still is attacking Macedonians. There's rumors of new uh, restrictions. Is that What's the latest on that? Uh, it's slightly ticking down the number of uh, active cases which we're looking at. It used to be 3,500 or uh, something like that. Now it's 2,800. So it's slightly gone down. Uh, the Muslim pirates in Skopje, which were the worst, you know, this is the. They were completely ignoring the restrictions during the Ramadan, uh, having all night feasts, and then they had huge uh, spikes now let's say Chire used to have like the albanian district in skopje had like 400 cases now they're down to like 150 uh, uh, and par with uh, uh, similarly sized um, you know macedonian district so let's say the ramadan spike is over but it has contributed to uh, increase overall but it's slowly trending down that's there were news. six deaths today, which is pretty high. Yeah. Most, uh, you know, most of them elderly. Uh, we had like a few. Uh, there is one uh, 
a little baby which is uh, being treated mm. after, I guess, Albania and Roma kid, they had a circumcision, completely messed it up, took the kid to hospital to treat, to try to see if his pecker uh, contracted coronavirus. So, yeah, like, complete third world country stuff happening. Uh, we had some uh, younger people dying, but it's pretty rare. It's mostly, uh, you know, over 60 and uh, it's generally trending down. But, uh, uh, but yeah, the government is talking about restrictions. The school is relatively strictly called off. Only, only the youngest children who you really can't leave alone at home. Only the first three grades are being invited to go to school and even then you can opt out so it's a pretty brutal uh, lockdown for the, for the school kids in the school year which starts uh, on september 1st it will be 90 percent of it will be online education so the government is acting now more concerned after for months telling us that it's no big deal because they wanted to have low turnout elections so the online, and as I understand it, the online education from talking with you and various other friends in Macedonia, the mm-hmm. online education in the spring semester <laughs> after the uh, mm-hmm. the March uh, uh, lockdown didn't work so well. They've had a whole mm-hmm. summer to get their act together. Do we expect that there will be a, a uh, that education will be, they'll be able to deliver it online this semester? No. Okay. No, it's going to be a complete mess. So basically what you're saying is you're going to have a full year between the spring semester and the fall semester, to put it in those terms, mm-hmm. uh, of a lost a lost year of schooling for Macedonia's children. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Which is might be actually for the best because uh, the schooling now boils down to teaching the children. That it's North Macedonia and, you know, uh, made up of Slavic settlers, uh, not autochthonous to the land and... Uh, other assorted, uh, you know, imposed concepts by the Zayev regime. So actually, you know, between no schooling at all and being having a kid educated by the Zayev uh, crime family, the first option is actually better. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and we've talked about this before. Uh, we've written about it. We'll keep talking about it. Parents, if you're listening, grandparents, uncles, aunts, any adult who has any responsibility in any way, shape, or form for educating uh, Macedonia's children beginning at home, this is an opportunity to make sure that they know Macedonia's true history. Uh, and uh, this is really you know, an opportunity to step up to the plate and explain to them what's going on with this criminal government. Uh, it's, it's on your shoulders, to be honest. So um, we'll see. Uh, but let's let's talk about the government. So uh, this week, yeah. as I understand it, uh, the uh, the so-called speaker Talat Jaferi was elected with sixty-one, sixty-two votes, mm-hmm. uh, which is Sirisa Dewey and the very very small uh, DPA. Uh, which a slight digression. That's Mendu Thaci. Used to be the largest Albanian ethnic Albanian party in Macedonia mm-hmm. under. Uh, Arben Jaferi, who passed away, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, obviously, again, this is a constant theme of mine. If you are playing Macedonian Content Farmers podcast bingo, this is a chance for you to, to, to mark your card because Jason is going to mention the fact that uh, the ethnic Albanian parties are cult of personality parties. As soon as the leader dies, the party falls apart. 
Same will happen with Ali Ahmeti mm. and Dewey. DPA, Arvind Jaffari, used to be the largest Albanian party, along with uh, Emir Meri in PDP. Both of those guys signed the Oakwood mm. Framework Agreement in 2001. They died. Party died. Uh, so they got... DPA has one member. Uh, and uh, so it's now a part of... 62, the slimmest majority for this government. And yet... Yeah. There are, what it, as I mentioned in the opening monologue, there are rumors that, that there's all is not happy between Sidisa and Dewey. And then, of course, I threw in there Mohammed Zakiri and Bessa. What, is, what, what can you tell our listeners about the latest on that? Yeah, well, there were several misses going on at the same time. Uh, Zayef cleaned up some important people from his own party who are from the uh, Skopje wing, the Shekerinska wing. Uh, so uh, Renata Diskovska is out as justice minister. Uh-huh. And uh, Damian Manchevsky is out as public administration minister. Uh, instead, there are some uh, other folks from the Skopje wing, but more uh, reliable to Zayev, like Boyan Maricic, who is a justice minister, who is actually now has been Zayev's personal advisor on foreign policy affairs uh, for a while. He added uh, Ljubčo Nikolovsky, uh, who is very uh, close to Zayev, uh, as deputy prime minister for fighting corruption, you know, don't <laughs> laugh, but you know he will probably supersede Maricic as justice minister. Uh, Oliver Spasovsky remains as interior minister, so another key Zayev confident remains. Mm. While uh, uh, the public administration ministry goes from the Skopje wing of SDSM to the Albanians, and uh, uh, Mila Tsarovska, who everybody was expecting to replace Zaev if he loses the elections as the darling of the internationals in the Soros crowd, the far leftist. She's removed from the very high-paying, uh, you know, um, uh, very uh, liquid, very, you know, huge financial turnover Ministry of uh, uh, Welfare, uh, which essentially hands out uh, gobs of money to people across the country, making it very politically powerful to do, to the at the moment, toxic education ministry. Mm. So, Zayev essentially sidelined a lot of the Skopje wing. Uh, he gave, he made major concessions to SDSM, uh, to Dewey. So, basically, he did not give them a prime minister, but as you said, he gave them Martin Gruby as the first deputy prime minister. Now, Gruby is confident both of the diplomats in Skopje and of Ali Ahmeti. So, he will be a very powerful deputy prime minister. This was originally a position, as you said, this was the original Ministry of Reading Newspapers position, Deputy Prime Minister for Implementation of the Ohrid Peace Treaty. You just get to hire like 1,500 Albanians. Half of them are not even assigned a work station and assignment, so just stay at home and collect the salary. Mm. But now, under this new arrangement, it's likely that Artem Grubi is going to actually have veto powers over Zaev. Hmm. So uh, Dewey is talking like it's going to be a consensual government and everything goes through Gruby. So uh, Zaev denied this, but we'll see how it will work in, uh, in reality. Uh, so basically this is the first major concession. Uh, Zaev gave Dewey the finance ministry and if you put together the finance ministry and uh, the public administration ministry, those two decide who gets hired in the public administration. So nobody will get hired in the public administration 
without approval from Dewey. So this is a major uh, concession from Zaev. He gave them the foreign ministry, so now the Albanians are boasting that uh, you know, free foreign ministers in the region will be ethnic Albanians. It will be Buyar uh, Osmani coming from the European Affairs Department to the foreign ministry. So, uh, so this is what Zaev uh, gave to Dewey. But it wasn't enough for everybody in Dewey. It caused a split in the party. Uh, and uh, essentially, um, the Skopje faction of Dewey actually won quite more votes than people expected them to. And they're not happy with the personnel choices in the government. So they said they're not going to vote for Jafiri, who is their person, for a speaker, and delayed the vote for a day and a half. And they're still saying that they're not going to vote for the government. So this might mean that the uh, government may not get elected, even though the uh, Zaev was able to get 62 votes, 61 is the minimum required to elect Jafiri. It's still not sure that the government will get elected. Right or that it will be able to function, because Ahmeti and Menduk Tachi notoriously do not show up for parliament meetings. Ahmeti even has an appointment in The Hague in 10 days as a war crime witness to the Kosovo war crimes in 99. Nobody is sure if he's coming back from The Hague. (laughs) (laughs) So there might be a few votes short uh, on the best of days. Uh, so it's a complete mess. Zaev gave the agriculture minister, another very important minister, for buying votes to uh, Besa. This is used to bribe uh, farmers to vote for you. Uh, yes. So yeah, he had to give out a lot and uh, um, he compensated by reducing the power of Shekerinska's faction in the government, which may end up costing him in the, in the near future. It will. Um, now, did you mention, I didn't hear, maybe you mentioned Slick Nick, uh, Nikola Dimitrov, who has been... Uh, he's uh, he re- uh, he's uh, swapping his position with Buyar Osmani, so Buyar right. goes as foreign uh, minister and uh, uh, Slick Nick goes as uh, deputy prime minister for EU affairs. Okay, I thought for sure, and I guess, you know, look, this is a conservative podcast, uh, as conservatives, Svetin, we are... Uh, Humble enough to admit that we were wrong. I thought for sure that Nikola was going to go to either a, a think tank in Brussels, a think tank in Washington, mm. or the EU, or a NATO position or something like that. Look, I'll be right eventually. Uh, he will go to one of those positions oh. after this government finally falls. And yeah. based on what you're talking about there, uh, with a lot of um, uh, unhappiness, shall we say, between all of these different characters and the parties, etc., you know, and and I think, and I see a lot of folks on on in the Twitter sphere and and other plate and even some of the mainstream media outlets uh, mentioning that this seems to be a very short lived, and tenuous government. Um, I do think it's could be. yeah, yeah, could be. Could yeah, be. I do think it's interesting that a lot of the um, so called uh, quote unquote I'm using air quotes here Balkan experts like Florian Bieber and. Uh, Dimitar Bechev and James Kerr Lindsay, who's totally forgotten about Macedonia, um, but but they were all hot to trot when it came to the name change and everything else. Mm. They totally ignoring Macedonia now. I think they've even given up on their um, their saviors, 
witches, Sidisa and Zoranzaev and Ali Ahmeti and Dewey, uh, they're not talking about them at mm. all. So, I you know, I do think this is a really short-lived government. I hope it's a short-lived government. I think Macedonians hope it's a short-lived government. Um, oh, yeah. okay, we talked about the government there. So let's let's move over and talk about what I mentioned in the opening monologue, Vomero. So Vomero is the mm. quote-unquote loyal opposition kind of, uh, I don't know what they're doing, to be honest. Um, but Sasha Myakov, the, the very powerful... Um, man within Vomero who's, who's had a lot of positions in the past now seems to want to take over the party. Plus, he was, uh, I thought that was interesting, the, the picture of him and uh, Artan Grubi, um, who I'm going to insist on calling the personal assistant to Dewey Chief Ali Ahmeti, uh, seen having coffee or something at the Marriott Hotel talking about mm. whatever. What's what's his deal? What what He's got to be up his bonnet or something. Well, uh, I mean, he was the most hated person in the country by the left, uh, besides Nikola Grivsky. And now he's providing them with, with the votes they need to uh, change the name of the country. This apparently endears him to the US government, because uh, the members of parliament who Sasha Mialkov controlled were gladly received by the US ambassador, by, uh, in the, by the EPP even in uh, Brussels. So, uh, you know, it's a complete betrayal of the what little ideals of the colored revolution remain. Uh, and now he is uh, clearly helping Zaev. Uh, he, he most definitely had, the, the, to the extent he has influence in the party, he had people, uh, local organizers, sabotage Mitskovsky to get, you know, to r- reduce uh, support for him. It didn't amount to much. Bemer still won uh, uh, you know, a large number of votes. Uh, uh, but uh, it's clear it's clear that they cannot derail Vomero. They did not have the influence in the party to derail Mitskovsky. Uh, Vomero is down hundred thousand votes, but you know it was a Corona election. Right. Uh, we mustn't forget that. And um, Mialkov should have ran on a alternative. There were many alternative right wing nationalist, fake nationalist parties made to steal votes from Vomero some of them close to Mialkov, and they, nobody won anything, like they, they won like a minuscule number of votes. So, uh, he, he faces many criminal charges. So, uh, on one hand, he is uh, uh, playing for the Americans and for the, for the embassy here, and uh, I shouldn't say Americans, and for SDSM to have the uh, prosecution removed from his, uh, from over his head, but at the same time, with all the businesses he's had, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's an open question whether he works for Zaev or at some level Zaev works for him or at least with him. And as we saw with Gruby, he has significant influence in uh, in Dewey as well. Gruby was denying that he met Mialkov, which was ridiculous. He said, "I went to meet my family." In, Mialkov's hotel. <laughs> Mialkov um, got a bunch of former and one current mayor of Vomero to show up in front of the Vomero office and, and uh, demand resignation from Mitskovsky. Uh, they were also in a complete flux. The lady they got out to speak in, on their behalf. Uh, the journalist asked her, have you met Mialkov recently? She said no. Then immediately said, well, yes, actually, yeah, I meet him often, but is, there, is it wrong? 
you know, so they were completely trying to deny meeting him and then at the same time couldn't because it's ridiculous. It could easily be, you know, people people were snapping pictures of the of the crowd of Mialkov supporters, protesters against Mitskovsky, going to the to, coming from the Marriott Hotel or going back to the Marriott Hotel after the press conference <laughs> to report on what they they did. So it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the funniest thing is that colored revolution people and the U.S. embassy are rooting for this uh, outcome that Mialkov uh, actually, you know, who they declared the devil for so long, takes over uh, Vimera. The problem with Mitskovsky is that he didn't lose the elections. He has on, on his net uh, vote count is better than SDSM, but he didn't. Uh, win either it was you know at best described as some kind of a tie and um, you know uh, he doesn't have much to offer other than you know we wait for the, their coalition to collapse at some point uh, fighting between Shukerinska's wing and Zaev's wing um, the Albanian wing in Asia against Dewey Dewey fighting each other you know we have to play the waiting game Mm, there's going to be an election in Shtip for the mayor of Shtip because Zaev is moving, he, he's also his confident, so he's moving him to an important position mm. as transportation minister. So there's going to be a vote in Shtip. Now Mitskovsky can say, okay, let's see how this works. Let's see if we can win it. Femera won more votes than SDSM in Shtip during the general election. So, you know, this is one thing they have, you know, let's, uh, if we win big, you know, the leadership is kind of vindicated, but it's not such an important race to bet your entire party on or your purpose in the opposition on. They're announcing protests against the government, uh, Mitskovsky, so let's see if he can, he thinks that's going to work. You know, they need to be engaged in doing something. Right. They need a goal to work toward other than the municipal election in more than a year from now. But also Zayev has a goal to work toward. Rule of law is completely derailed. The uh, name changes in the mind of many of the internationals com- completed. So he also doesn't have a purpose in the government. This is why the bitches and the other, the Biebers are quiet. What can they say more about Zaev? What's his purpose? What's his further purpose except, you know, implementing the Bulgaria Treaty, weakening Macedonian identity further, and then possibly inviting, you know, seriously inviting the idea of partitioning the country if we are declared a Bulgarian and Albanian confederation of some sorts. What's the purpose of the country then? So... You know, people are probably wary of advancing the processes which Zaev initiated further to their logical conclusion because they realize what it means. <laughs> so, you know, both the government and the opposition really do not have much of a purpose at the moment. Right. Well, well, a couple of things. First of all, the uh, steep race, which I wasn't aware of. When is that scheduled for? Is it scheduled yet? Uh, the Shtip election, not sure. I mean, the government can even try to postpone it for a long time. They can appoint a, a interim mayor and, uh, you know, but it it should be, it could be in autumn uh, if we are playing by the rules. Right. And then the, the municipal elections a year, from, a year from now, actually, I think October of next year? 
I think it was something like October, November, but actually I think they were postponed for like six months uh, uh, because of the, what was it now, the, uh, the incident in the parliament, I think, the creation of the government. I mean, we were in no shape to have elections. They were supposed to be in April. So now uh, the mayors have a term until autumn 2021, but the regular date should be in April, mm. I think. Uh, they were supposed to be held, the municipal elections, just as we were you know, having the climax of the political crisis in 2017. So, you know, maybe an agreement is made for municipal elections in April, bring it back to the normal date. And then if Vimero wins big, it could lead to, you know, it could, you know, re- a, a non-corona election with a normal turnout. If Vimero sweeps the uh, roster of municipalities, then, you know, they have a point, they have the right to say, well, okay, this definitely means the government lost legitimacy. But then, you know, BSDSM can abuse the instruments of the government to a much higher degree in municipal elections. And... Uh, you know, using Albanians, buying uh, Roma votes, uh, you know, the poor neighborhoods, you know, they can, uh, you know, they will have even less uh, checks on them than uh, during the general election. So, you know, who knows? Right. Well, interesting. So if we kind of take a step back from all of this, it, to me at least, it looks like, so you got Zoran Zaev and, and Ali Ahmeti and Sasha Mialkov, basically all trying to cling to power. Obviously, they don't want to see Vomero uh, become the government because then the crimes of those three aforementioned individuals and others will be uh, looked at. Uh, obviously, the U.S. government uh, make a clear distinction between, you know, we, we, we say the Americans, but it's the U.S. government and more specifically the State Department and the European mm. Union apparatus and the NATO apparatus and bureaucracy, all of those characters want uh, these characters, Vumaro, or uh, Sirisa and Dewey, to stay in power because they do their bidding, quite simply. Uh, and um, there is no alternative, right? Uh, v- from the Vumaro side, aside yeah. from the issue between uh, Sasha Myakov and Vumaro, you mentioned that Vumaro has got to do something. I'm using air quotes again, uh, the, you mentioned the protests, the mayoral mm. race, but uh, they've got to present a vision for going forward, and I, I, I see bits and pieces of that. I don't know if they're articulating it uh, to the fullest extent possible or whatnot, um, but they're going to have to step up their game, in my opinion, uh, if they want to um, to win. And then, of course, the, uh, the whole... Uh, you know, the joker in the deck, so to speak, is the Coronas. And, you know, and every country is kind of facing the same situation. We've, we've, I think we've come to the point where we realize the thing is we're not going to get back to any sense of quote-unquote normalcy before there's a vaccine. And, of course, the world seems to be rushing to create a vaccine. Great. Good for them. Good for us. Um, maybe spring of next year there's a vaccine that's widely distributed. If that's the case, then we can get back to some sense of normalcy. If not, then this just keeps going. Of we, 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 we all pull back and have these restrictions and the social distancing and the masks and washing your hands and yada, yada, yada. And it, the, it mm. takes a dive. It, it goes, it kind of lessens and then you, you, you relax those restrictions and it comes back and it just keeps going back and forth. Um, that's what it seems like to me. So 
until that point, and you mentioned the municipal elections maybe as early as April, maybe they're corona-free, maybe not corona-free, we'll see. But, yeah, Macedonia just seems to be in this state of list, listlessness, of kind of floating around, uh, the economy's in shambles, uh, obviously there's no promised uh, FDI from NATO um, membership, uh, and that's for a variety of reasons. First and foremost, because the government is incompetent and corrupt. Uh, second, to be fair, because of the coronas. Um, but uh, third, I think it was overhyped in the first place that you know that manna would fall from heaven and and uh, the foreign uh, foreign direct investment uh, foreign direct investors would be mm. marching into Macedonia singing hallelujah and hosanna uh, and, uh, and and you know setting up new plants and things like that. They're not going to do that when there's this. The whole country, when the whole government is just corrupt to the uh, nth degree. Um, so, yeah, Macedonia is in, 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 um, in a bad place, I think, in terms of if you go, again, if you look to government and politics and politicians on either side for salvation. Uh, so, Macedonians obviously have to uh, uh, look elsewhere, obviously, for the. Uh, for true salvation, you don't look to government, you look to God. So, but, um, all right, that's my two cents on this. Let's see, what else do, what other subjects we got here? We've got, um, Ali Ahmeti's brother said something the other week. What was that? He was basically threatening Macedonian Macedonians. Uh, yeah. I didn't know, I didn't know Ali Ahmeti yeah. had a brother. I didn't, this is, you know, this is one of my constant, they're not constant, you know, occasional questions. Is there a Mrs. Ahmeti? Or are, the, you know, if he's, a, if he's a good Muslim, then he could have up to four Mrs. Ahmetis. Um, are there Ahmeti children? Who are these people and where are they? We, I don't know a thing about them. I don't know if you know. I don't know if anybody knows. I'm just curious. Completely out of the public eye. The brother would show up from time to time in corruption allegations that uh, uh, Ahmeti would have some businesses and his way, but uh, that's about it that uh, surfaced about his family. He was uh, pushing on, uh, you know, their big deal was that we won the Albanian vote by like three seats over the alliance. The alliance claims that they were robbed, that they were, there was tremendous ballot stuffing in Kicevo, where Ahmeti practically can do whatever he wants in the ballot places. And it's true, I mean, they, they were robbed in this region for mm -hmm. sure. And uh, but Ahmed insisted that uh, now that we won, you all unite behind yeah. me. So he tried to have like an event to celebrate the peace treaty in uh, of the, for the two thousand one war, where and inviting all the Albanian parties around him. But obviously he would be the one who would be projecting pictures of himself in combat fatigues and you know uh, uh, playing blaring some stupid anthems to Duchaka and stuff like that. So obviously he would be the the master of this event, everybody refused, and uh, the comments his brother made was in similar similar line that uh, we disunited, because you're not falling into line, you're not giving uh, you are uh, giving us your votes uh, unquestionably for our government. Uh, you are helping our enemy. Uh, they never and 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 then the comments he made about the Macedonians as the enemy. Uh, who rejoice at our division and at our failure? We will never, we can never trust them. We'll never, uh, we should never have faith in them. They were really over mm -hmm. the top uh, 
for uh, you know, I mean, Macedonian politician would never speak like that. But uh, but yeah, the left, which is usually apoplectic whenever a conservative Macedonian makes a comment uh, that uh, strays from their visions and talks about one unified nation, you know, citizens where ethnicity doesn't matter. Uh, once something like this comes from, from the Albanian side, they <laughs> completely don't right. care. They, it's completely ignored. We had a huge incident which was very emblematic, actually. Actually, the coalition is starting just like the, the first coalition started. So the, uh, in 2016, you know, there was uh, 2017, the colored revolution people, they were still running on this story of uh, rule of law. We're indicting Mialkov. We see how that <laughs> turned out and everything. So uh, the, the first big incident when everybody on the left said, okay, this is not going to work. Obviously, it came very soon in the in their government. Um, a Duy official who is very important in Chire in this downtown Skopje area where there is a major problem that uh, a terrace of a cafe was burned down. It was just lightly built, and now there, as as soon as it was burned, obviously arson. They're now building like a, a large building on its place, and uh, you know, completely lo complete lawlessness on the, in the center of the city across the place where SDSM removed uh, one of the Vimera monuments uh, placed in Gruevsky's time. So the laws apply to, you know, they can remove a monument to uh, a Vimera uh, fighter and, and killer, frankly, you know, the person who is dishing out justice to the traitors, mm -hmm. but they can't, you know, control Dewey. So in this location, uh, a Dewey official parked his jeep on the street. Uh, a female police officer was escorting this, uh, we call it the spider, the payak, the truck which lifts oh, up yes. your car and uh, tows it away. And uh, the guy came and he actually slapped the police woman wow. several times. And uh, a few days later, you know, the interior minister uh, called her up and she gave this ludicrous statement that she awkwardly turned and uh, tripped and hit her head on the uh, vehicle, uh, on the towing vehicle herself, and everybody was like, oh, come off, oh. Like, for FFS. And, uh, you know, it became clear that Dewey can beat up a policewoman, and uh, because they're so important to Zav's coalition, all this talk about rule of law and justice for all are out the window. So this is the start of the, their first coalition between Dewey and SDSM. The second coalition starts with a, a completely deranged person in Ohrid, who, who runs the Dewey party branch there, Nifi Usini, mm -hmm. who, who beats people up. He's a member of the Ohrid council, so he orders what gets built where. And whenever UNESCO comes and says, okay, let's demolish something to stop this overconstruction, you know, the mayor of Ohrid says, I'm afraid I'm going to get killed. And he's very clearly talking about Nefi, his council member, on whose votes he depend, he's dependent, but who can also obviously beat up the mayor. And he beat up some professor who complained about some local, uh, you know, water supply, sewage, something issue. He's building, uh, this Nefi guy, he built a pizzeria, uh, next to this, the chiner, this antique uh, 
tree that grows in Ohrit, which is like the symbol of the city. And, you know, clearly without a permit, nobody could cut, touch him. He kicked out the, uh, inspect, the building inspectors. So now he has a friend, an oligarch from old times, Zora Tamilkovsky, um, who built a villa in a lakeside village. And there is some super poor guy who has land in the same village, who is actually from Ohrid, has four children, fought in 2001, like he's a veteran. So, you know, this complete salt of the earth mm. guy and completely discarded by society. So he also building a house there on his own land, next in between the villas of the important people coming from Skopje. And uh, so this uh, oligarch does not like this poor guy's house being builder. Uh, so he gets Nefi and he says, yeah, Nefi is like a brother to me. We're great friends, this lunatic Albanian gangster. We are friends. Uh, and the oligarch sends this gangster council member to attack this Macedonian veteran. And several people, you know, Nefi goes there with his brother and several people pulls out a gun, points it at the son of the uh, one of the, the sons of the Macedonian guy, who's just 14, then proceeds to beat up the father with the butt of the pistol. The man gives a statement. There is apparently video evidence. The entire country erupts in uh, uh, you know, outrage. Nefi is actually... An arrest order is actually given for him, which is... Unusual. Unprecedented, yeah. He goes into hiding, maybe flees to Albania or Kosovo, or is just hiding somewhere around Ohrit in some village. And then, two days later, the Macedonian guy goes on television and says, actually, I made a mistake. He did not hit me. There was no pistol involved. I was just... We're actually friends with Nefi, and we're just arguing a little. And then somebody hit me in the back. I didn't, didn't notice who it was, but it wasn't Nefi. Nobody had a gun. My son wasn't threatened. And everybody is like... Oh, God, here we go again. This is what a coalition between SDSM and Duil looks like. Untouchable local sheriffs beating people up. Inter-ethnic strife, you know, uh, oligarchs from SDSM building wherever they want. And then railroading, you know, the normal common people living around them, forcing them then to publicly humiliate themselves and, uh, you know, deny a statement after just two days. So yeah, the coalition is off to the exact start it was uh, off to in 2017 with a complete violation of the principle of the rule of law, which they said will apply to everybody in the country. You know, I, I could be beaten up tomorrow and uh, then, you know, video evidence would be deleted and uh, I could be then threatened to give a false statement and uh, false testimony. So this is the state of you know, complete third world country territory. Well, let me make <laughs> on that depressing note. Let me let, <laughs> Quite let, me, let me make a few comments, and then um, and then maybe we'll we'll uh, end on a on a happier note. I've got a farmer's pick again this week. I've got farmer's picks. Yeah, you can try. I've got farmer's picks coming up again for the next <laughs> couple of weeks. But but as you were talking about that, especially you know you mentioned you know the beginning of the first coalition between these two criminals, and now this one, the similar instances with the policewoman who was slapped and then, you know, recanted, basically, and then the veteran who 
had his was pistol whipped and a gun pulled on his 14-year-old son and then recanted. The very ruminant, and, and those two incidences alone, just by themselves, remind are, are should be very frightening to everybody. Of course, we know that Kate Burns doesn't care about things mm. like this because she doesn't herself doesn't believe in the rule of law. Um, but it reminded me of the struggle sessions under Mao, um, and reminiscent also of uh, this, the Soviet times under Stalin, of uh, mm. you know where citizens, especially on the struggle sessions under Mao, where, where citizens were forced to recant their their sins, and in this case, their sin is, well, they actually got beat up or something, uh, reported it, and then that wasn't good for the ruling party, the ruling government, and so they were forced to recant, um, which is frightening when you think about it. Uh, that is, you know, the other, the other thought here is that it's, it's just the arrogance, the unmitigated hubris mm. of Ali Ahmeti and Zoran Zaev and those that support them, whether in the Macedonian government or Macedonian society or the internationals there in Macedonia, the arrogance and the hubris to, of thinking that they can get away with this. They, they won't be able to, I promise you. I guess that's the good news here, is that at some point it's all going to catch up with them and their house of cards will come crashing down around them one way or the other. The only people that escape... <laughs> This is a funny thing. The only people that escape uh, are the internationals that support them because they're there for three years and then they go away and mm. they go on to hire and better things and then eventually they retire. And they have a nice pension and blah, blah, blah. So they're the ones who escape, um, which is sad. They escape in this life. Next life, they don't escape. So, um, But, um, yeah, well, yeah, and... We've we've talked about this before, and I know we'll t continue talking about it. This this issue of you know will the Macedonian people continue to take this, or will they rise up? Or maybe the question is when will they rise up? Because they've done it in the past. Yeah. So, I guess we'll kind of leave it hanging on that and wait and see. Yeah, but also we've been occupied by the Turks for five hundred years, so. It apparently takes us a very long time to get rid of the... You know, this is coming... We have a Turkish word for this, uh, zulum, which means uh, uh, violence, uh, you know, uh, evil doing, essentially. Uh, you know, the Turks, you know, it's very difficult to... They have a very colorful language, very mm -hmm. difficult to translate. Uh, inflicted from the rulers of the country, the feudal lords, over the Araya, which was the common people, or the coward, the kufr, the unbelievers, you know, yeah. the Christians. And uh, it's, you know, this is getting to Zulum territory. You know, we have, uh, uh, it has all these ethnic connotations, obviously religious connotations in the uh, interwoven when these things happen. You know, we used to have situations where, you know, the Turkish Bey would kidnap a Christian woman and then the families would go to the French or the Russian ambassador and then, plead for help, and uh, then they would kind of like threaten uh, the, the Turks with, uh, you know, financial issues, sanctions or something, repercussions if they do not respect the, the Christian populace, which was, again, then used as pretext for invading the Ottomans from time to time. So, you know, we have the whole 19th century 
playing all over again. <laughs> yeah, here in a, in a bizarro uh, version right. of it, you know. You, the government is not here to protect you. You have to go. You know, people are. It's very common that people say, "Well, my rights are wrong." They go to the. I, I will send uh, a letter to the ambassador. You know, which is a <laughs> completely, by definition, a non-functional country right. here. <laughs> you know, put in the mix the ethnic and religious uh, issues, and which, as I said, go hundreds yeah. of years back. You know, it's a very very explosive uh, situation yeah. here. I just finished last night watching a um, uh, three-part series on the uh, the rise and fall of the Ottoman Empire, which was quite fascinating. I'll mm. post it on my Facebook. Maybe I'll put it on Twitter, too. Um, but anyway, it was a good refresher course of basically the 600 years from 1300 to 1923 or mm. so of the, the rise and the expansion and then the fall of the, the Ottoman Empire and how it affected Europe and still affects Europe to this very day in so many ways. Uh, you know it. You've, yeah. you've lived it. You're living it. You'll live it. Um, but it also affects, you know, beyond Europe. Um, but anyway, we'll save that for another time. Let's end on a positive note. Uh, and Sveten, I have a farmer's pick this week again. So, and this is another one of those videos from this. Um, uh, there, I don't know if it's one or a couple of guys. I know one guy. Um, that's created this called Macedonia from Above. It's his YouTube channel. And he's been doing these beautiful um, shots of Macedonia, various places around Macedonia, put to music uh, with just, it's just stirring. It's beautiful. And this one uh, that we're going to post is from near um, uh, Trasunce, which we did a couple of weeks ago. And it's the uh, Sinvir Waterfalls, which I don't think I've been there. I've been, maybe I have, because I know I've been to Trasunce, but I don't can't remember the waterfalls but anyway it's beautiful uh it just you know another yeah. one of these little hidden gems in macedonia that i would doubt most macedonians well most macedonians might know about it but probably haven't been there and uh since you're locked up and you can't go anywhere else <laughs> go yeah. explore macedonia so uh uh yeah it's because macedonia has many wonderful things to offer and beautiful places uh, get out and explore macedonia that's the way we'll end this one. Yep. All right. Yes, we might end up on a. Happy we have to. <laughs> Come on, we got to. After I after I thoroughly destroyed Dokrit, which is the <laughs> usual tourist <laughs> destiny. It's overrated. Go to Presburg, Doidon. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been in Dokrit for quite a while, yeah. actually. I was hoping. We kept saying, "Okay, we go there as soon as the uh, Gurevsky finishes the highway." It's, it's really. It is a bit of a. Get, getting older and it's a bit of a drain on uh, my ability to withstand, you know, longish drive. And uh, we kept saying, okay, Nicola will finish the highway, we'll go mm -hmm. then. And uh, the way things are going, I'm, I'm <laughs> going there again. You can go the long way, the other way. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, that's a wrap. We'll, uh, we'll have a full slate, I'm sure, again next week. Absolutely. You too. Take Bye. care, buddy.